listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. I, uh, I had been married for six weeks to my wife, Juby, and I was like, Juby, let's go snowboarding. And so we flew out to Colorado, and I had been snowboarding uh, for many, many years, and this was Juby's first time snowboarding. And so I was like, we're not going to go to a big mountain. We're just going to go to an 11,000-foot mountain. That's what I said to her. So it'll be okay. And so we go to this mountain, and it's her first time snowboarding. And uh, she starts practicing on the bunny hill or whatever. And, uh, and because I was a really good husband, I was like, Jubes, let's go do the black diamond at the top. And uh, she goes, no, there's no way I'm doing it. And um, because I'm a really good husband, I was like, Juby, it sounds like you have confidence problems. And she goes, she's like, no, I don't have a confidence issue. I just, my first time. And I'm like, come on, you can go up and do it. So we're on the ski lift or the chairlift going up. And the whole time she's like, I don't know. I don't think I could do this. We're up really high. And I'm like, trust yourself. Have confidence. You can do it. And we get to the top. And she puts on her snowboard. And uh, and she starts going down. And uh, and she falls and she starts crying. She's just like, and I was like, you know, so like any good husband should, I, I, I went over there and like hopped back up to her and I said, what's wrong with you? Because I was smart, as a, I was loving. And she's like, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. And I was like, you can do it. I was like, trust yourself. This is ridiculous. And I'm like yelling at her. And at that point, she takes her snowboard off and she starts walking down the mountain. She starts walking down. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And I'm yelling, and I'm upset. And um, she slips a little bit, and then the snowboard, like, loosens and, like, takes off down the hill, like, by itself, all right? So I was a, I was a first-year teacher at the time. So what I see going down the hill is a rented snowboard that's, like, half my yearly salary, like, going down the hill. So I look at my wife, who's crying on top of the mountain with no snowboard, and I look at half my yearly salary going down the hill, and like any good husband should, take off after the snowboard. So I take off after the snowboard, and I'm like trying to get it, and I see it go like off this, um, not like a cliff, and into some woods. And I'm like, I'm never going to find that thing. That thing's gone. So I look in the woods for a little while. Can't find it anywhere. <clears throat> and then I get down to the bottom of the mountain. I have no snowboard. I have no idea where my wife is. So this is before um, cell phones did anything but let you talk to somebody else. And there was no service. So I waited at the bottom of the hill for, you know, 30 minutes, and then 60 minutes, and then 90 minutes, and now the, the mountain is closing, and I'm like, what is going on? And in the distance, I see this snowmobile coming down the mountain with, like, the red ski patrol jacket, and on the back of the snowmobile is my wife, like, hanging on to this guy <laughs> like this. And I was like, thank God, she's okay. So the snowmobile guy literally, he literally parks the snowmobile, and he goes, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So my wife comes up, and uh, she starts walking towards me. I'm like, oh, I'm glad you're okay. And she's walking like this, and she looks at me, and she gives me a hand gesture and just keeps on walking. (laughs) And let's just say it was not a thumbs up that she gave me. It was not. So we get in the car, and it's so tense. It's so incredibly tense in the car. And we get in there, and she's not talking. All you hear is like the, (laughs) you know, like the sigh. Like, that's all you hear. And it's tense, and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, the only word she says, she goes, I will never laugh about this, ever. (laughs) And just, like, breaks down crying. And now I'm telling you. So, 
<laughs> we laugh about this all the time. We laugh about this story constantly. It's like one of our favorite stories to tell. Um, and it just this, I don't know. I, here's the deal. We all have this story, though. You know, we all have this thing that we would never laugh about ever. And then all of a sudden, it becomes your favorite story, right? It becomes the best thing. What's the one that you have? You guys, you guys have one? A good one that you told? Somebody, I, I know there's like a throw-up one where you like laid on the ground in the bathroom for hours on end, and you thought you were going to die, and now you tell it and you laugh about it, right? We have those. Nobody has those, just me. Um, how about uh, you, you know, missed your flight, and then you were stuck in the Toronto airport for two days eating Auntie Anne's pretzels for every meal, <laughs> right? We have these stories. The one where your grandma caught her sleeve on fire at the holiday dinner, and she was so upset, and she was like flailing around, and everybody was upset about this, and now we tell them it's like the funniest thing we've ever told, right? We have these stories. We wouldn't even tell them except for the bad parts, right? We would not even tell these stories if it wasn't for the bad parts, the bad things that happen. We, uh, in some ways, we redeem these stories. We redeem them, okay? Now, I am fully aware. I am fully aware that not all stories we can laugh about later. Fully aware that I am fully aware that there are some of us here who have experienced great pain and great hurt, and we have stories that we can't even bring to breath because we might break down, right? I know we have those. I know we have those. But here's what I also know, that these stories, every single one of them, every single one of them are getting redeemed. They're being redeemed, We are leveraging our stories to bring redemption, whether they are embarrassing stories that you did as a newlywed or whether they're the worst possible thing that could have ever happened to you. These stories are being leveraged and they are being redeemed. You know how I know? I'm going to tell you how I know. I know because of Jesus. Shocker, right? We're in church and I know because of Jesus? Yeah. What does Jesus say? In the book of Matthew, what Jesus is doing is Jesus uh, is talking to a crowd of thousands of people and he's telling them these different stories and he's talking to them about things like divorce and he's talking them, uh, to them about how it's difficult for wealthy people to enter into the kingdom of heaven and then these children run up and people are like, no children, get out of the way and Jesus goes, no, these children are the kingdom of heaven, this is it. And so everybody's astonished and everybody's going, wow, what is the kingdom of heaven? What does the kingdom of heaven look like? Who will be saved? Who's going to be a part of this kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, all these things I've talked to you about, all these stories, all the, all the things we've done, um, they are the renewal of all things. So at the renewal of all things, at the renewal of all things will be the kingdom of heaven. And this is how Jesus says it in the book of Matthew. Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you have... Uh, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. And then he goes on, and there's a lot of good theological stuff there. Um, but I'm not going to do any of that today. I'm just going to tell stories. Um, but this is what he's talking about. He's talking about the renewal, the renewal of all things. He's saying, that's what I'm here for. That's the purpose. And that what, that's what will continue to happen is this renewal. So what is the renewal of all things? And, and uh, I, I listened to a couple messages on this. Uh, I looked at some commentaries and I, I looked at the renewal of all things in the Greek, and this is what it looks like in the Greek. You want to throw that up, Sean? That word, renewal of all things. Anybody want to give it a shot? You did it better than I did. I still can't say it. Enakaphelosothai, I think, is the way I say it. So what does that mean? It's two parts. It's two words. And when you break this enakaphelosothai down into two parts, you get two different meanings. You get one, the first part says, um, to bring unity or to come to a head. So that's the first part. 
And the second part simply is to retell. So when God says, hey, I'm bringing the renewal of all things, what God is saying is saying, I want you to retell these stories in order to bring unity. That's what God is saying. He's saying, when we finish retelling these stories to bring unity, that's when we have the kingdom of heaven. We retell in order to bring unity. That means we make the, the, the mundane, the embarrassing, the difficult, the lonely, the broken stories that we have, we retell them. God is using them to bring unity, to bring about the kingdom of heaven. So, what does that mean? Well, I think we start to see this retelling happen in the book of Acts. The book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. You guys ever hear of Luke? You know who Luke is? I see a lot of head nods. Good. Luke also wrote the gospel of Luke. So he wrote an account of Jesus' time here on earth, and he writes an account of Jesus' first followers. And as he writes this account of Jesus' first followers, what he's doing is he's telling these, this story, right? He's telling the story of the first followers. And a lot of this we've talked about before, but let's Let's talk about their story again. Let's talk about the first followers of Jesus and the climate in which they lived. Let's hear what their story would have been like. What their story would have been like is this, okay? Um, we know that, that they were under Roman oppression. So we know that the first followers of Jesus Christ uh, would, would have Roman soldiers coming up to them. And the Roman soldier would say, who is Lord? And if you didn't say Caesar was Lord, there was a chance you were going to be imprisoned and killed. That was, that was part of their story. We know, we've talked about the fact that 50 to 80% of whatever early Christ followers made went to the Roman Empire. Okay, that was part of their story. We know that the land that they had had been taken from them by the Roman Empire. That was part of their story. We know that there was torture at the hands of the Roman Empire. That was part of their story. We know that in the book of Acts, there's early Christ followers who are being stoned to death. And, um, you know, this happened a little later on, but we have historical accounts of the Emperor Nero and other uh, Caesars and emperors who um, would literally light early Christians on fire and then use them as torches to light their outdoor parties, right? This is part of their story. And we know that uh, uh, there was many early uh, Christians, Christ followers, who were also hung on crosses. That was part of their story. So this is part of the story of the early Christian church. This is part of their story. And, and, and so what does Luke talk about when he writes about the early Christian church? Does he write about the struggle? Yeah. Yeah, when we read Acts, when we read the book of Acts, there's a lot of struggle in there. But the thing that strikes me about what Luke is doing when he writes this is, is his focus is not on these broken, difficult, oppressive, torturous parts of the story. This is what he often says. All believers are in one heart of mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That is retelling the story. Or, in Acts 4 or 5, he says this, But many heard the message and believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So you have a story of oppression, but the real story is that this thing is growing. That's retelling the story. Or nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That is retelling the story. And then my all-time favorite verse that I use, what, this is like the 37th time I've said it at a church. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Luke is 
retelling the story. Luke is bringing redemption through story. Luke is bringing the renewal of all things through story. He is retelling what is going on in the early Christian church and bringing unity and growth and blessing to it. That is what's happening. I love what Luke does with this last uh, part right here. I'm looking back at Luke uh, 46 and 47, and I've said it before, but it's worth saying again. Um, Caesar kept the people uh, under wraps by, by any time they said, you know, somebody would say, who is the Lord? And they would say, Caesar is Lord. And these Roman soldiers would go, good, here's some bread. Here's some bread. Who's Lord? Caesar's Lord. Good, here's some bread. Now go away. Caesar gives you bread. That's how Caesar would keep the people under wraps. And I love what Luke does. Luke goes, I'm going to retell this story. I'm going to tell the story about how some little tiny revolutionary group, this little community, and some little tiny outpost of the Roman Empire, I'm going to tell what they do with that story. You know what we do? Instead, we're this ethnic minority. We're we're a cultural minority, a religious minority. We have nothing and own less than nothing. But what we do is we say Jesus is Lord. And then we bring bread to a table together. And we sit around that table and we say Jesus is Lord. Okay, who needs help? Who needs help? Because we want to make sure we're helping everybody first because Jesus is Lord. And so who's sick? Let's heal those people who are sick because Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Let's eat. Here's some bread. That is retelling the story. That is bringing redemption. That is bringing renewal. That's what this means. This giant word, this Anika Philosophi word is doing. We are retelling the story to bring unity. God is retelling our stories to bring unity. Is it any wonder that after 200 years, which really isn't all that long of a time, after 200 years, the Roman Empire adopted Christianity as the official religion? Anytime you have renewal and redemption like that, it is irresistible. Absolutely irresistible. And so here we are as a church. And how many, how many, raise your hand. How many of you tell people that you go to church? Well, you guys are good. I'm proud of you. That's nice. I do too. Um, and a lot of times, like lately I've been getting a lot of questions about our church. Well, who are you? You know, what, what do you do? What do you care about? And I say we care about the same thing every time. I say we're all about restoration and renewal. That's what we're all about. It's in our vision, the restoration and renewal of lives and cities through Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about. And people go, wait a second. You don't, you care about people coming to your church, right? And I'm like, yeah, I, I like people that come to my church. I said, but you know what I care more about? I love hearing stories about how somebody is a part of this community and they say, my life looks different. There is a new story in my life because of this community and what God's doing in it. People shake their heads and go, oh, and I usually never see them again. <laughs> But it's important, but what I say is true. And I think there, there was somebody else who asked me the other day, they said, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of numbers do you have? How many people uh, do you have doing X? Or how many people show up at this and do Y? Or how many people give to this and do that? And I go, that's all great and that's important. But you know what I care way more about? I care way more about the stories that I hear of somebody who like, has never picked up a Bible and decides to pick up a Bible. Or the story about the person who is just you know, at the lowest point in life and walks through these doors and many of you help them out. That's restoration. That's renewal. That's what matters. That is God renewing all things, leveraging all things. And this is who our church is. This is who we've been from day one. We are all about restoration and renewal through Jesus Christ. And every year... We get the opportunity, the privilege to enact this. Every year we get the opportunity and privilege to enact it through something we call celebration generosity. How many people have done celebration generosity before? Been here, heard about it? All right, like half of us. This is a privilege. Every year what we get to do 
every year we get to hear stories of organizations. We get to hear these stories of brokenness. We get to hear stories of struggle. We get to hear stories of people who, who were, were having the most difficult time. And then we get to hear how these organizations are retelling that story. We get to hear how they're partnering with God in the renewal of all things. And so what I'm excited about is today we begin that four-week journey. And today we begin with an organization called Nomi Network. I'm really excited to hear from Nomi Network. Nomi Network, uh, they work with women who have been victims of trafficking or are potential victims of trafficking, and they give them new skills, new know-how, and a new identity in the marketplace so that they can be successful. And I love what it says on Nomi Network's website. It says this. It says, know me, know my story, know my success, or know me, know my success, know my story. They're a part of the renewal of all things. They're a part of what God is trying to do, retelling stories to bring unity and hope to others. So what's the challenge for the next four weeks? For the next four weeks, we have the privilege of hearing these stories and going to galas and doing different things. What's the challenge? I'm going to be very, very specific and very forward. The challenge is to give extravagantly. That is the challenge. The challenge is to give to these organizations extravagantly, to start telling our own stories to start telling new stories of what it meant to give. And then I'm excited about what stories we hear. I can tell you what stories I never hear, okay? I I can tell you that I've never heard anybody come up to me and go, Jonathan, oh man, I was having such trouble at work and my life felt like it was in a holding pattern and uh, you know, I really didn't know what to do next and this organization told their story and it sounded great and I didn't get involved and uh, every day I wake up in the morning, I'm pretty glad I didn't get involved. Like, I don't, no, nobody's come up and said that to me. Like, nobody tells me that story. You know what I do here? There was a story last year of a woman who said, you know, I'm at work, and I heard about this great organization, and I thought to myself, like, I can do, like, a bake sale or something at my job and get my small group involved, and then we could raise money for this organization, and the people at work will want to be a part of this organization. So that's what she did. Her and her small group get together. They have a bake sale. They raise, like, hundreds of dollars Everybody's happy. Everybody's eating cupcakes. It's great. And then the, and the, the, the job the, and the organization, there's a connection there now. That's the story that I hear about renewal of all things. That's retelling the story to bring unity. You know what story I don't hear? Nobody's ever come up to me and said, hey, Jonathan, I have trouble paying my bills. Actually, everybody tells me that, including me. <laughs> but they never said, you know, I have trouble paying my bills and it, it's, you know, I don't have enough Uh, And I had an opportunity to give what little I had to an organization, and I didn't do it. And every day I'm really thankful that I have that $50 in my bank account. I've never heard that story. What I generally hear is, hey, Jonathan, I couldn't pay my bills. It's a struggle. I had an opportunity to give what little I could. And I believe it made a difference. I think it made a difference for the organization. I think it made a difference in me challenge you to give extravagantly because in our giving extravagantly we get to look at God and say God I see you I see the way you're at work I see the way you're at work in my life with that thing you know that thing that's deep down in here that I never want to tell anybody about that story that if God ever found out about that story it would be awful that story that that makes us cry and say I will never laugh about this ever and God sees that story and God says that's the one that I am renewing 
And that shady deal you made, that's the one that I'm renewing. And that embarrassment you have, that's the one that I'm renewing. And the brokenness and the hurt you have, that's the one I'm re- renewing. The, re- the racism you've experienced, that's the story that I'm renewing. The, 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 the divisive family structure that you have, that is the story that I'm renewing. God is saying, I'm renewing your story. And now you are a part of the renewal of all things. Now you have a part to play. You have lines. You are characters in this. And it begins now. And it begins today. Will you join us in the renewal of all things, retelling stories for unity? And let's take a look at this video from Nomi Network. You guys join me in welcoming Scott Austin, who's on the board of directors of the Nomi Network, to the stage. Thanks so much. Uh, it's, it's a real honor to be here. Um, I am a, uh, my name is Scott. I'm a church planter from Texas. Um, and I'm on the, hey, go Texas, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm on the board of directors of Nomi Network, and so uh, earlier I met somebody, and I said I was a church planner from Texas on the board of directors of Nomi that's based here in New York, and she just looked at me and said, I don't understand how all that happens, and uh, so just the way that that happens is that um, at a certain point in my life, I came to the realization that there are some statistics out there that are... Um, terrifying statistics. And uh, those statistics look like this, that um, there's just under 21 million people right now in the world that are living in some form of slavery uh, to the tune of about a $99 billion industry a year on the backs of slaves. And just over 50% of the uh, gross goods that we use, uh, coffee, cotton, and things like that, uh, just over 50% of that labor is, comes from forced labor. And so I came to the reality that there is a, a horrific thing that's happening in our world. And uh, as a, a church planter, as a pastor, as a, a guy that planted a church whose mission statement actually says, joining God in the renewal of all things, um, I started to look around saying, like, what am I supposed to do about this? What am I supposed to do about this? And then by a whole bunch of random events, God introduced me to Nomi Network. And what I love about Nomi Network is that the core of it is a sustainable business model. At the core of Nomi Network is training women who are either survivors of trafficking and slavery or women that are potential victims of trafficking and slavery. We train women in textile manufacturing. We give them honest, fair wage jobs, and health insurance benefits. Most of the women that go through our program are single mothers supporting multiple children um, without fathers present at all. And so we train them and we pay them and we help get them on their feet. Because what we found is that you can't just go in and rescue somebody. What you have to do is you have to train them. You have to give them a, a trade and a way to make money. And if you can do that, then people can get on their feet, and it becomes these beautiful stories. When I think about restoration and renewal, I think about the two areas that we work in in the globe right now. Uh, one is in Cambodia, which is where we launched in Cambodia uh, years ago. And the second is a more recent addition that's in Bihar, India. And those are the images that you saw on the video. When I think about that story, the most recent story that's happened to us that rocked our world was a story of one of our trainees' daughter. Her name is Misha. Uh, she's a little 10-year-old girl. And uh, just a few months ago, she was abducted. And we searched for her for two days throughout the streets of Bihar. And they finally found her, but what they found was her body 
she was dead. Um, and there was a good example or a good uh, chance that she had been raped and just left, a 10-year-old, and left in a pool of water. And um, we, that was right around Christmas time that we heard this. And it just, it, it again just galvanized us towards this mission. That there are people that are living on the fringes. There are people that are being drafted into something horrific like a slave trade. And what No Me Network does is it provides an incredible model, a curriculum, and at the core of it, it's hope. And so if you want to see restoration and renewal and you want to see it actually happening, you can go to Bihar and you can meet women. You can meet Misha's mom who is still in one of our centers and is still one of our trainees who has two other children and is fighting every day for her life. You can go to Cambodia and you can meet women there that have these beautiful smiles on their face and this joy in their heart. It's something that you just can't even imagine what it's like to have someone tell you that they were in a brothel as a slave for a year and then to have them look at you and to smile and to tell you a story of renewal and restoration. I've had some things happen to me in my life that are rough, but for the most part, it's been a pretty good journey. And I can tell you that God's renewed and restored me over and again. But I feel like when we look in India and we look in Cambodia and we look at the story of Nomi Network, we see something that is beautiful, supernatural, and incredible happening where people's lives are literally being transformed. So specifically, what we're asking for you to do is to join us in a couple of different ways. One thing is, is what we do is the women that work for Nomi Network, they create uh, goods like uh, t-shirts. You know, Jen was wearing a shirt earlier. My, my eight-year-old and my four-year-old son also have those shirts with a big elephant on them. They love those shirts. Um, they create uh, iPad cases and, and all sorts of things like that. It is a great Mother's Day deal. And so those products are out in the foyer, and you can actually purchase those things today. Um, all of our products are made from sustainable, uh, mostly recycled goods. They're, it's just a beautiful supply chain if you look at it from the depths of everything that we do. It's really fantastic. Um, that's one thing you can do. The second thing that you can do is uh, we ask people to host, like we call it a lunch and learn. Uh, but if you want one of the Nomi Network staffers to come to your office, uh, during a lunchtime, then we would love to come and tell you a little bit more about trafficking, uh, slavery, and what's happening in the world today. Um, the Lunch and Learn is a great way to just expose people to this overall issue. We have a banquet or a gala also coming up. It's a little bit later than the one you guys are doing. There's more information out there about it. You can buy tickets today to the gala. Um, and then where we're at right now is we're renting a facility in India. Uh, Novo has given us uh, $60,000 a year for the next three years to help us build a permanent facility in India. Uh, the women in India, as they are um, making money now, they're buying small plots of land all around the land that we own in India. And so what we're trying to do is to build a fully sustaining community there that is a safe place and this place of renewal. So we have right now, somebody's, they've committed $60,000 a year, but we're about 
$120,000 short to be able to build the facility. So the other thing that we're doing, the big ask that we're asking for people to do is to consider joining in as a partner with Nomi Network towards this $40,000 a year for the next three years. And so, um, I mean, if you want to write a check for $120,000, I'll take it today. That's fine. You know, I'm from Texas. We do stuff big. Um, but, you know, also buying a bag is awesome. We own the trademark um, buy her bag, not her body. And a lot of our bags are marked with that trademark. And it's a great conversation starter for people. Um, and so we would love for you to know more about Nomi. I'll be here after the service is over. Uh, but I just want to commend you on your mission. I want to commend you on uh, just being a bright light in, uh, in Brooklyn. And just thank you guys so much for having me here today. We're going to go into a time of communion. Um, you know, the reason we do what we do, the whole reason we do what we do is because we have this Christ. We, we are here today because of this Jesus Christ who, who dies and then is resurrected. And, and this Christ is resurrected as if to say, as a symbol of saying, like, this is it. It's done. The renewal of all things is done. It's, it's, we, we've won. It's happened already. Now let's just see it through, and we see it through with God's spirit. And so what I want us to do is the ushers are going to be up front, and they're going to be up front with the, with the bread in the cup. And uh, I want you to, to, to dip the bread into the cup, and they'll say, you know, body of Christ broken for you, blood of Christ shed for you. And let's celebrate the fact that, that the renewal of all things is done through the resurrection, and we just get to see it through. We get to see it through. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that you've decided um, that we are all restored because of your death and resurrection. We thank you um, for the grace that you bestow on us daily because of your death and resurrection. We thank you for the, uh, just, just for the charge that we have to continue to renew and to continue to restore because of your death and resurrection. Lord, you have renewed all things, and we continue to see that through today. We thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for that call. We pray all this in your name.